I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant You, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. That's uh, We got like a Cajun French term called a tête dure. That means hard head, bro. <laughs> we got a bunch of hard-headed fellas down here and ladies and and the harder it is to survive a thing the more likely it is we will oh my gosh i love it just to prove you wrong season three of the plant strong podcast explores those galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future, and let's get Plant Strong together. Hello, Plant Strong people. I hope that you're in a good good place right now in your life. You're feeling confident and powerful and, and present because so many of us don't even realize how lucky we are. And this conversation that I have today will kind of help to, help to highlight that. This is a conversation that is it's very raw. It's very real. And it's very timely. And it's with, it's with a gentleman that I've known for over eight years. His name is Josh Lajani, and he hails from Thibodeau, Louisiana. And he is Cajun to the core, as, as you're going to hear. He's also, he is quick as a whip. He is tough as nails. And he's also hurting right now as you're going to hear about. But Josh has a big change journey that he went through that is insane. It is 
top weight, he was over 420 pounds. And he went from that to being on the cover of Runner's World magazine, winning 50-mile running races, being on the Today Show and Good Morning America, where he talked about a club that he founded called the Missing Chins Club for overweight individuals who were getting back or just starting to run. And Josh, he's a very special, special human being. And in the aftermath of Ida, he's in a, he's in a tough pickle right now. And this trailer park that his grandfather founded several decades ago that Josh now runs was basically obliterated by, by Ida. And this community has gone without power, water, basically, you know, scraps of food for, for weeks. And 120 families that, that Josh feels responsible for. And so I would ask if you're at all moved by today's conversation and you feel like, like lending a helping hand in any way you can, let's, let's do it. Let's help our Plant Strong brother Josh out. We'll have some ways that you can donate if you want in the show notes. And I know that you're going to, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but I know that you're going to cherish this conversation and there's a lot of great takeaways. I also want to let you know that Josh and I had to do this interview with his cell phone because his internet is still out. So forgive the audio quality of this one, but the conversation, I think you'll agree, is worth every moment of your time. Thanks. Before we jump in with Josh, it feels timely and very relevant to share how important it is to find and maintain connections with other people in the face of all the challenges that we have working against us right now. If you aren't already a member, I want to invite you to join our free Plan Strong community. It's an online space where you can share your story, search for recipes, offer support to others who are at different stages of their journey, or heck, you can just discuss different podcast episodes. We've got an awesome team of moderators, plus I drop in from time to time as well. To join, visit community.planstrong.com and introduce yourself. We look forward to meeting you. And now, let's jump in with my friend, Josh Lajani. I have a very special guest uh, on the Plant Strong podcast this week. His name is Josh Lajani. And I've known Josh for, gosh, probably a good six, seven years. I first heard about Josh when he was on the Rich Roll podcast probably eight years ago. Josh, do you know what year you did the Rich Roll podcast? That was in 2013. My gosh, so that was eight years ago, almost exactly. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that was December 2013 was the the episode aired, I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Wow. And, you know, gang, I can't wait for you to hear Josh's story, um, his big change journey. You know, he wrote a book called Sick to Fit a couple of years ago that is fabulous. You know, you started the Missing Chins Running Club that 
I, I want everybody to hear about, you know, you at one point in time, not too long ago, you weighed 420 pounds and you are now, uh, you know, you have been on the cover of Runner's World. You've been on Good Morning America. You've been on the Today Show. It's pretty, pretty incredible uh, what you've been able to do. And you're, nobody's got a story like yours. Nobody. And I know that everybody has their own, you know, very unique story. But there's something about yours, you know, kind of growing up in New Orleans and Thibodeau and just that whole lifestyle and that culture that is really, it's, it's, it's like its own separate, like, just country. And, uh, and, and everybody, yeah. yeah. And so everybody, you're going to get a little, you're going to get a feel for that. Um, but Josh, before you dive into that, I would love it if you would share with people just because it's so top of mind and what, what you've been going through for the last, uh, week or two due to Ida and then on its heels, Nicholas. Yeah, just, um, you know, I, I, we grow up like I grew up in her and, you know, in, in the Gulf South and, and, and dealing with hurricanes all my life. And you're always worried about the big one, you know, the one to just hit kick kind of hit you square on the chin. Mm-hmm. And especially I grew up in a trailer park and my grandfather owned the trailer park. So we all it was always very nerve wracking around hurricane time to, uh, you know, it was just always you know, nerve wracking. You see those destructive uh, videos of destruction like Andrew and, and, um, in Florida back in the, you know, mid nineties. And it was, so it's always been nerve wracking and, and, you know, every year you kind of go, Oh, maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year, you know, and and it's, 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 uh, builds a lot of anxiety, honestly, it causes a lot of anxiety, but this year we kind of, we kind of got a worst case scenario down here as far as uh, hurricanes are concerned. And, um, and we really took one on the chin, uh, worst one to ever hit Louisiana in history, worst one to ever like make, make landfall. And I mean, we, you know, we've had some doozies here, you know, between Katrina and uh, Camille just to the East of us was a really bad, deadly hurricane and hurricane Betsy here in the sixties, yeah. Uh, in Thibodeau was like our last big one. Um, but Ida has just pummeled, especially the southern half of my parish. You know, um, Thibodeau is where I'm from, which is up in the very northern part of the parish, which we call up the bayou. And and uh, up the bayou, it, while it's still the worst destruction we've ever seen in Thibodeau proper and in Chack Bay, where I'm from in the surrounding areas, it's nothing compared to it's nothing compared to Raceland going south, and I haven't even been down there yet. But our parish just got pummeled, man, and and uh, you know it's hard to see, and it's frustrating on so many different levels. Um, so what's the, what's we're still in a situation where we don't have we don't have. I just got power back a couple of days ago. We still don't have good, reliable Internet. So I'm trying to do this interview on our our cellular network, which itself is a little sketchy at the moment. But that's what we got going on, going on right now. Well, so but so you you grew up in the trailer park that you you said, yeah, your grandfather. um, And what's your grand what's your grandfather's name? His name is Alan, Alan Parks. 
Uh-huh. He's a, what do you call yeah. him? Didn't you call him Bam Bam? Call, oh, my bad. Yeah, I call him Bam Bam. <laughs> right. That's a, that's something I gave I gave him that name when I was like two years old. He was at one of his – he was a contractor, and he was at one of his suppliers in the warehouse, like a, a lumber uh, vendor. And yeah. they were having a Christmas party or something, and somebody randomly pointed at a picture of him to me because I was the baby there. And they said, who is this? And I said, bam, bam. And the name just kind of <laughs> stuck, you know? Yeah. And we really don't know why. I mean, uh, it's specifically, there's a lot of theories, but yeah, that's what I've always called him. Is, and he's been, cause my, my parents were basically teenagers, um, when I was born. And so they played my, my mom's parents. So that's Bam Bam's my mom's dad. Yeah. They played a huge role in my life. And so he and I were extremely close. Yeah. 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 And so this trailer park, you're now, you're now kind of running it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And how many families like live there? We have 120 families uh, or households uh, live there. We have, we have some some people who have multiple. There's multiple there's multiple addresses out there with the same last name. People just grew up there, and then when they grew up, they bought a trailer and put it on a lot two streets down from Mama. And you know, um, in, it, interesting. It is just that's just our community. You yeah. know, it's it's like it's a family business, but it's also a family home and it's a community. So 120 families and of those 120 families like are is everybody still there uh or um but for the most part uh yeah but i would say probably you know just guessing um between eight and ten have had to move out um some plan on coming back some lost everything we've had some some mobile homes in there where people just had the entire thing just pulled apart by the by the wind we've never seen that kind of sustained wind before where we are yeah and uh some of them we just had some of these massive trees like like rip it pulled a root ball up as big like that would have three cubic yards of dirt attached to it like it's just pulled up the, the dirt out of the ground yeah and um and i've never seen trees fall with such force i've always seen trees kind of get blown and they slowly lean into a trailer and a limb might do a little damage or something but i've never seen them just explode like a baseball bat whacking it you know and it, and i mean roofs smash through the floor you know it, it's it's insane the amount of force that yeah. was it's just insane so um what is the last week and a half looked like for you as far as you know running this place what have you been doing to take care of all your tenants well luckily uh you know some people has have stepped in and helped and helped out you know um and i'm able to do things like we've been buying gas because people we've been off grid for you know we just got power back last night uh at the trailer park so we've been off grid um for a while now and so i've been able to buy gas for people every day for their generators and a lot of people have donated uh food and supplies and money to buy supplies we was able to go um when i saw how much damage we had out of the trailer park me and my dad we drove 
to a place about an hour and a half away because that's the closest we could get supplies. Like it was chaos here. People just doesn't they don't understand. It's like trying and we just bought tarps, all the tarps we could get and filled up the back of my truck and came back so we could start uh so we could start tarping up and keeping the rain off because we still in tropical season, but their roof is destroyed, you know? Yeah. So it's just we've been so filling up gas on the repeat every day, um, putting up putting up tarps, right? And then the trees, because the name of our mobile home park is called Woodland Heights. And it was it was very that's kind of the part that's part of what we were is like yeah. we we want to be nestled in the swamp in the woods among the trees and um but man the tree damage dude like wow the trees just mountains of limbs and yeah. trunks and tree tree debris right well what was what what exactly because i think i heard reports that this you know before it hit land was like 154 mile per hour winds do you know what it was when it reached you guys yeah, it was still sustained. I think they still had like uh like wind up up here in Thibodeau and gotta remember where we are, we were on the weaker side of the eye wall and we still had hundred and twenty mile an hour winds oh. that I saw from a Facebook live yeah. on uh during the storm. Some storm chaser had put himself he was like a mile away from the trailer park. Um, I knew exactly he was at the Academy Sports a mile away from the trailer park and uh, he was clocking winds uh, of 120 miles an hour. And I'm just sitting there watching it like, <laughs> wow, wow, crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where, so where were you when this storm was was going on? Were you were you here at the trailer park or someplace else? We drove to Huntsville, Texas. That's the closest place we could get a room. Um, so yeah. me and my mom and my brother and and my brother's uh, girl uh, and her, some of her family and all of the dogs. And we just loaded up and drove out to Huntsville, Texas and found a little a little like hole in the wall place that was okay with us having that menagerie that <laughs> zoo with us and so yeah you know and and um we stayed there and we watched the news and just watched it and i watched you know as bad as we had it ripped like if you if people don't know if people don't know where cutoff louisiana is where la rose louisiana is where lockport where raceland galliano golden meadow that's all stuff we call down the bayou from yeah. here we up the body here those places got destroyed man destroyed and so, um it's it's insane so what do you when you say they got destroyed like you think that they're people that were living there like it was just obliterated slabs dude just wow. slabs of homes left like leeville and la rose See, and when it got, when the eye got to about middle of the parish, like Raceland area, right? Race, and it's, it took a, it took a turn and went due north for a little while. And when it did that, it spared us. We still got really bad stuff, but it spared us that Eastern eye wall stayed on Lockport, La Rose and just crushed them. And it just turned and pivoted on top of them. And so it, it was, um, 
it, it, it was it was insane. It was bad. So what's what's the because um, I know that you have a insane can do kind of make do attitude and skill set and you know I like for example in your in your book sick to fit you talk about how yeah you know man I can take a, a rowboat and a du- and a little bit of duct tape and turn it into a Cajun submarine <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah so, exactly so I'm wondering like. Is that the prevailing attitude down there that people have, I yeah. mean, have they rolled over or are they fighting right now to kind of get oh, back? No. <laughs> oh, no, bro. That's, uh, we got like a Cajun French term called a like tête dure. That means hard head, bro. <laughs> we got a bunch of hard headed fellas down here and ladies. And, and the harder it is to survive a thing, the more likely it is we will. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Just to prove you wrong. <laughs> well, well. Speaking of proving people wrong, I think you proved a lot of people, you know, wrong. When so, tell tell me, kind of the story. Like, how, if you can give us the um, kind of Reader's Digest version of how did you stumble into plant based nutrition from running, real. Like that, because I surrendered to running as a as an exercise, as even an option. That's the first step that happened, and um, and and it, that's the first thing. When I look back at it, that's the first domino that kind of fell. Was me surrendering and saying, "Oh, I'm not a big ape gorilla, rawr, big man. Yeah. That's not I. You know, I can be slimmer. I don't have to be a football player for the rest of my life." And, and so I started doing running and that's when things changed and the running got difficult because I stayed heavy. Cause at that time it was all meat for me. It was like low carb, low carb. And I was like, man, if I do low carb and I run a lot, I'm going to get skinny, skinny, skinny. Yeah. And, and it worked and I started getting, I mean, I lost a lot of weight really quick. But I, I was honestly, you know, I mean, we all family. I was constipated. It was rough. Yep. And and the whole reason that I was doing paleo and stuff like that is because I was trying to find like that authentic nutritional norm. And I and it just hit me one day. I'm like, where was the authentic human man getting his Metamucil and Dulcolax? The stuff that I'm <laughs> trying to use. Yeah. You know? And so but but it was the backbeat of constantly trying to be better at running that made me want to sort of play with that nutritional equalizer board, if you will. Yeah. And then reading um, Jurek's, uh, well, I read Born to Run, and yeah. that that introduced me to Scott Jurek. Yeah. And then Scott Jurek uh, kind of was the thing that kind of ignited me when I was like, wait, people run marathons? Wait, people want what's the ultra ultra marathons? And then. Yeah. And it just kind of I took off from there. And that's what got me into the 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 plant based side of stuff. And then by the time I d- adopted plant based, I still had probably 100, 115 pounds to lose. And it just flew off in record time. And all of a sudden I, like, I was running and I was I had times. It wasn't just finishing. I wanted I had I had goals and things are just really took off. It was like an amalgam of not only the nutrition, but the inspiration from guys like you and and Rich Roll and Scott and Brendan Brazier yeah. and all of these people, you know, just really 
it, it, it really provided like a North star of, of influence and inspiration for me to, to not just be plant-based, but to try to become that authentic version of myself that Rich talks about. Like yeah. there's a, a default human version yeah. of all of us. And I want to be as close to that as possible in this very unnatural world we live in, you know, and, and that's what all of this has really brought me to. And plant basedness is, is just like one of the facets of that, you know? Yeah. You, you're trying to, you know, become a better runner, trying to be, you know, um, kind of live in a way that's truly authentic. What about all these hard head and hard headed Cajuns that you're living around uh, you know, your, your brother, your mother, maybe, you know, relatives, aunts, uncles, what do they think as, as they see you becoming this lean, mean, plant strong running machine? Well, I mean, some of them, some of them just kind of roll their eyes and think it's a phase and Joshua eventually, you know, just like all the other phases of my life, I'll, I'll evolve past some of them, like my brother and my mom and my sister really sort of took heed to the examples that I was, they were like, Whoa, wait a while. None of us has, has ever lost all of the weight that last hundred pounds. You know, we always, you know, chipped away at it, but we all would, would always cave back and put back a bunch on and we had taken off in the first place. And, and so as that started to not happen and they could see me get, you know, further and further and further into leaner and leaner and more athletic, especially my brother, he just, he's like, I can't ignore the proof. I can't ignore what's right in front of my eyes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so that's a category where the nucleus of my family, we took it almost kind of like your family. Like it's almost like a family moniker now. A yeah. bit. Like we're proud of that, you know? And, and, um, and then there's also the other, the other people in my life who I introduced it to another Cajun term where we just kind of split draws where we, you know, we don't see each other no more. It's over, you know, uh, uh, and you got to be okay with those outcomes too. You know, you got to be okay with that too. You got to be okay with it. What's that called? You split drawers, drawers. Did you say? Yeah, you split. Yeah. Split uh, draws. That means we, uh, we don't, I don't, we don't mess with each other no more. Oh my goodness gracious. I know. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that something? Um, well, I, I, I want to dive more into that, but before we do, um, yeah, you know, do, so in reading your book, Sick to Fit, I was uh-huh. I was really just blown blown away with kind of the the how you had to hit rock bottom at some point before you decided that you were gonna kinda get better. Will you describe like when you hit rock bottom and, and, and kind of what that looked like? Yeah, well I just I mean you know, I feel like I've been to a bunch of rock bottoms throughout my life and, and, um, you know, I've bounced, thank God. I've never really buried myself. Um, but you know, some of the darkest times of my life where, you know, you know, I'm abusing, abusing drugs and alcohol and doing all nighters and trying to like do like just live live a very untenable unsustainable life for whatever reason and and looking back at things it's really just trying to find dopamine rip just trying to find something to make you happy you know yeah and and those things morph from cocaine and alcohol to 
to cheeseburgers and you're proud of yourself because, well, at least I'm not doing the Coke no more. But, you know, now I'm getting fatter and fatter by the year. And, you know, it's just that life, uh, um, that life, uh, it snowballs on you. Right. It just does. It just snowballs. And, you know, the, the sadness breeds more sadness, which breeds more uh, saving with with foodborne dopamine because mm. you've given up all other sources and and then uh you know running comes along honestly as yeah. I, in a lot of ways running is running is is uh is a form of healthy punishment you know it's almost it's like a healthy injury it's like to it spurs anti-fragility rather than the other way around you know and uh and um uh, who who brought who yeah. brought, who brought I mean how did you get back into running like what how that light what was that light bulb moment Um that's a really good question I think it's just like I read I read about it in an article in in Runner's World at a gym that I was going to I was lifting weights at Larusa's gym um in here in Thibodeau which was an institution in Thibodeau and um and after my workouts, I had got I had started getting on the elliptical and I would read magazine articles and I saw a weight loss tip about running about that low sort of zone two cardio effort, how that keeps you in a fat burn state. And I was like, well, damn, I need hella fat burn. I guess I need to start. <laughs> I guess I need to start running. And so that's where it really started. And, and the way it started Rip, is I would go work out for like an hour and then I would go get on the the elliptical for like 30 minutes and then I would get on the treadmill and do the best I could to just jog nonstop for, for five minutes. Wow. And, and I started to get up to where the treadmill, I could turn the treadmill up to five miles an hour for my five minutes, which is, you know, 12 minute mile pace. But back then I was still like 380, and, um, and the treadmill was, I was burning up the motor and the owner of the gym was like, Hey man, <laughs> Oh, uh, you need to slow the machine down or go outside or something. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, so, you, so, but that's, yeah. that's what pushed me outside. Like, honest, that's the thing that made me go outside and say, okay, now I'm fat man outside running with flabby titties and all and surrendering to that and just letting it be what it was. Yeah. Was, a, was really helpful mm -hmm. for me looking back at it, you know? Well, in the book, you mentioned how... There's this technique, especially, well, when you're starting out and you're, you know, over 100 pounds overweight, you call it jiggle, jo jiggle jogging. <laughs> the jiggle what, jog, what, right. Yeah, can you explain to people what that is? Well, when you're 400 pounds and you got, I mean, you got, you know, titties and flat, fat rolls and like my armpits would clap and my flat rolls would clap together. And so I, what it was was back then I was maybe, you know, I was just saying a 12 minute mile pace, but that was like a sprint at the end of the workout. If I was going to go for two or three miles yeah. at a stretch, I was doing more like a, a 16 minute pace, a 15 minute pace, 1530, something like that. And, and at that pace, I'm just jiggling my big old body. That's all I was doing was really just kind of jiggling um on what we would call on the football field like when you go from one drill to the next drill your coach would always tell you on the hop let's go on the hop in a hurry yeah and that's yeah. just how i did i would just kind of get on the hop it wasn't quite a walk but it wasn't quite a run 
it was just me doing a little jiggle jog, you know, jiggle my fat around and get it wiggling and sweating and see if we can't get it off. It worked. <laughs> and, and in the beginning, when you were doing this, you were what? You were waking up at 3 a.m. so no one could see you out there. Is that right? Yeah, that was a big part of it is is uh, I had my friend Jeffrey, who I went to kindergarten with, and he was coming to the gym with me. And so I had a good, steady partner. And um, and honestly, I was with another by word. I'm going to teach you another by word, yeah, haunt, yeah. H-O-N-T. Haunt means embarrassed, you know, so I was a little bit haunt. I was a little bit haunt to go jiggle myself outside and just so everybody could see. But I would wake up early in the morning. <clears throat> and we would and plus it hurts you know i i was embarrassed really to see me uh, to for people to see my grimace you know like on my face mm. and and um and so that was a uh, you know that was i was hiding a lot of times by getting up early and and getting started yeah well you <clears throat> so at some point you must have run like in the in the you know middle of the daytime i'm wondering did you have people you know yelling at you i mean and if so no, no that's okay that's good that's good yeah yeah that's all in your head you know it was all in my head yeah and even if they were yelling like you know who the hell are they like and so <laughs> exactly. and so but the first time i really sort of was testing running in the daylight where people and where people could watch me was uh, my very first Crescent City Classic, which was in 2012. And um, and so that was the first time I ran, like, in the daytime. Um, and it's a 10K run, and I was still uh, probably 320, 330 back then. Yep. And I was feeling nice, and I was feeling good, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I used to do this thing where I would buy – I would get a – a size too small undershirt and I would put it on and tuck it into my underwear and then put my over, my regular shirt on top of it to try to like, it was almost like a little girdle like Spanx <laughs> yeah. does now for yeah. men, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And so I would get a tall shirt, like a long shirt so I could tuck it way down into my drawers and it wouldn't slide up. And, but man, I didn't realize running in the daytime with dad get up. I was so hot. <laughs> it was a big learning experience for me. That's for sure. And, and, um, and then you, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you went on. I mean, you've you've gone on to win ultra, ultra, some ultra distance. What fifty k's or fifty milers, right? Right. I, I I've been on the po. I've been lucky enough to be on the podium a few times. And I say lucky, I mean it. It's not. Yes, I worked hard, but I'm also lucky enough to have the freedom of schedule to train for those things. To have a brother who's got my back to have a mom who's got my yeah. back a wife who's got my back and you know so i'm lucky in a lot of reasons why i was able to you know get on the podium you know and and i and i was trying to honor them a lot of times when i would go and do do the hard work necessary to try to to, to fulfill or achieve the goal i had set for myself is really to to honor the sacrifices that the people i love around me make for me to be happy yeah. And and um and so yeah, so it had me pushing really hard uh competitively and at that time too my bam bam was getting close to the end and you could just feel it coming and that's just real heavy. And uh that all mixed together one day in a, at a 50 miler in in uh in Florida. 
And, and I mean, I just had a time goal that day. I didn't realize that time goal was going to get me first place. <laughs> and it did, you know, and, and I was happy. My band band was there to watch it. And it was just one of the most amazing wow. moments of my life, much yeah. less running, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 50 miler. I can't, ah, oh, the thought of running 50 miles. Was it, did you have a lot of up and downs when you do something like that? Or was it just, yeah, yeah a lot of, a lot it was of, a lot of ups and downs and, um, you, you know, oh man, I came out, I, I think I ran the first 20 too fast and like you second guessing yourself and, oh no, I slowed down too much. You should just keep pushing. That's what you train for. And you constantly back and forth. And then, and then, you know, uh, and I was actually in a real dark place feeling really tired when I caught the leader. I wasn't even aware because we were on a four-mile loop course. So I was looping by all kind of people. So I wasn't really 100% sure what place people were in. Um, and in mile 40, I just had my head down and doing work, just getting it done. And uh, the dude was like, man, you just passed the leader. And I was oh like, my- oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And I just kept working, you know. And it was true. Wow, that's so awesome, man! And Bam Bam got to be there. Well, I've I've met. Oh you. yeah, he high fived me. <laughs> he high fived me. He knew exactly what happened. He said, "We won," and he had tears in his eyes. Oh. We won the whole thing. Oh my! <laughs> that, and so did Bam Bam. Did he also? Was he able to uh, embrace any of the the plant based uh, lifestyle as well? Yeah, he did. Um, you know. To be completely, you know, 100% disclosure, he did, but it's not like he put up much of a fight because by the time he went plant-based, we were feeding him every meal and he was just happy to eat and he liked bananas a lot and it was real easy to transition him. Um, It wasn't really that hard, Uh, but to be fair, if you had put fried chicken in front of him, that's what he would have ate. Yeah. And, and, and so... But we did that on purpose because of the stuff we learned from your dad and from Dr. Campbell and the things that I was learning and trying to pass along to my family. And, yeah, he it, in his 80s, he he lost 200 pounds. Oh my God. And, you know, I mean, it didn't it didn't reverse his 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 vascular dementia. It yeah. did mitigate a lot of the factors involved with it. But, you know, it didn't reverse it. And the but. He, he did become more ambulatory. I mean, you lose 200 pounds and all of a sudden, like now we don't need to hover around anymore because you can walk. Yeah. And, you know, that breeds other positive outcomes. The more he walked, the better he he felt, the happy, the better his mood was. And it was just um, it was a wonderful thing there uh, until event- eventually. I mean, we all know once the horse is out the gate, like once the horse is out the barn on the vascular dementia stuff, we know from from the Scherz eyes what what's up it's not it's not pretty that's why we don't want to get there no yeah exactly yeah so you so uh so it sounds like you've been doing this for maybe you know right around a decade or so Mm -hmm. uh um how how is your resolve i mean are you just like hey this 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 ain't no thing and this is just now a natural extension of who i am what what would you say to people that are that are struggling with it Dude, I'm, I struggle, you know, I would, you know, the me from about two years ago would have a different answer to that. Rip. Yeah. But the me from right now yep. is my safety net, really. Um, not to disappoint any Esselstyn's, but my safety, my safety net is, is it vegan? 
And and that's, you know, but I know how I know where the um, where the path is. Yeah. And and sometimes sometimes, you know, you have the bread, you have the peanut butter that has maybe maybe has hydrogenated oil in a, in a thing in it because it's all you got available right now. And, you, and and trying to release the idea of the perfection for myself has been a struggle like because you know that's a fat person giving himself some some excuses a little bit right yeah and um and so i i really want to own though how the struggle um is ever present because i don't know if it's something i think it's a real big misnomer and and tends to set people up for failure to just and i and i did this for so long just just do it just get it done and man, I'm really understanding more and more about life circumstance and about meeting people where they are yeah. and about forgiveness and about about easing up just a little bit and giving people time and <clears throat> even giving yourself some sp- some space, you know. And um, but my resolve is there, and and I'm I'm forever grateful for what I've learned. I know how to not get heart disease i know how to um eat in a way that that isn't gonna make me morbidly obese in short order like the old way of eating um even if i do have crackers and chips in there from time to time uh and and you know i would say that what really what really helps my resolve is this this overall identity to what it means to me, like I was talking about earlier, um, like the entire picture of what plant-based is a part of, yeah. that's what my resolve is for. Like to try to be that that human animal that lives lives on love and community and that type of thing. And uh, and and we're ever we're ever evolving beings in this in a very dynamic culture, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, that listen, that was all so so well said, and um, you know you're right. Everybody's in a different different you know circumstance, and I think mm-hmm. that's really smart to you know have have that forgiveness um, and uh, and meet people where they are, and uh, and 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 not be, <laughs> you know, one of the things I've learned is you know don't judge just do you know do everything you can to be supportive and helpful but you know i tell people listen i don't care if you fall a hundred times i just would ask mm-hmm. that make sure you just make sure you get up 101 times if yes. you fall down a hundred times um in, in your book you have you have a concept of you know naturally attainable quantities you're, you're i think you you call yeah. it the, the one idea to rule them all can you can you speak to that Mm -hmm. yeah it just makes sense to me as like a i've been hunting and fishing all my life and the first thing you got to know as as a as a person who wants to take another animal as food is you need to know what that animal need uses as food right so it all i've and it just so it's like i understand what squirrels eat i understand what fish eat and it just makes good sense to me to look around Howie talks a lot about biomimicry and stuff, right? Yeah. And it just makes a lot of good sense to me look around at other animals like me and look at what they eat. And not only this particular things they eat, 
But think about the quantities with which they can obtain these foods, right? Mm. And as an mm-hmm. example, is like the nuts thing. We always, and you know how it is in whole food, plant-based, like that's the loophole food for all of the fat people is everybody goes to the nuts. And I'm talking about fat people like myself. I know the weaknesses, you know, mm-hmm. and you go and you find these loopholes and the loophole gets dried up. The loophole um, can, my sort of naturally attainable quantities idea is kind of closes that loophole in other words to me because yeah okay is nut are nuts a natural food is it a whole food absolutely but how do they come in nature how would you happen upon them and and can how long would it take you to shell find and shell how many steps would it have taken you to collect all of those three handfuls of nuts that you just scoffed down um, from your Costco bucket. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. it's not just about identifying the foods that are whole food, plant based, natural, um, protective from against chronic disease and and obesity and those things. It's not just about finding the, the foods themselves, but it's also about thinking about quantities of these foods in, in a way that makes sense for me. And for a sportsman in Louisiana who grew up hunting, fishing, that makes that makes sense to me mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. it just makes sense to me to follow the food patterns of similar organisms and not only the types of food but also the quantities you know uh, man that make that makes complete sense and just to use your to go a little further with your example with nuts um, you know I'm 58 now and I can remember when I was growing up we would have nuts but you'd have to have the shell, you have the, 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 you know, the little instrument, they would crack the shells and you'd have yeah, the cracker. Yeah. Right. And you'd exactly. have, you'd have maybe, you know, 10 and you'd be done. <laughs> you know, you didn't have the luxury. Yeah, exactly. You didn't People ha- would pick their favorite ones. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have your lug, the luxury of having a big bin of cashews, pistachios, almonds, uh, you know, peanuts. You had to work for it. <laughs> not only that's not good enough these days. They got to spray it with some sort of oil and then coat it with salt on top of that or or sugar and call it uh, honey baked cashews or honey roasted something or another. And it's like these layers of caloric density on top of an already extremely calorically dense food, you know? Yep. Yep. Totally. So what what's it? So I you and I texted the other day a little bit and uh, I mean you know, you're in a very unique situation right now. Um, what have you been doing for, for food? I mean, has it been, has it been, it's been bad. Yeah. It has, it's been, cause we have, um, I've been, you know, which my friend, I have a good friend of mine, uh, um, Jason Harper. He's, he's, I love him to death. He's like a, he's one of the missing chins brothers, one of the OG missing chin dudes. And, uh, He's not from here, but he lives right here in Shriver. And and he's been amazing and come and donate his time and money to come refill gas cans for tenants and just just been an amazing human. And he brought me a whole like three grocery bags full of bananas and apples and uh, Granny Smith's and all kinds of stuff. And that's the first time I'd seen food, you know, like that in a couple of weeks because we had either been on the road oh. and it had just been whatever we could find, vegan processed food, um, yep. you know, chips, crackers, peanut butter, bread, um, you know. Yep. And those those calorically dense processed things are just, just not good, especially when 
you know, I'm not moving very much anyway right now. And it's, it's, we just, all we're doing is picking up limbs. I'm operating, um, I'm operating an, either an excavator or a front end loader, uh, picking up either trash or limbs and, and, uh, the whole before, before the hurricane even came, you can't see me right now, but my, my hand is all wrapped up because I fell and I cut two tendons in my finger. Um, you know, on a machete. And the reason I did, the reason I was even in the woods cutting a trail to walk in in the first place is because my back's been bothering me, you know, for a couple of months. And it was just like snowballing on me. Um, But, but this storm just really, it's been find something at Taco Bell, bean burritos at Taco Bell while we're on the road, just things like that. It hasn't been, it hasn't been optimal. There's been no there's been no eat loaf made recently. There's been, there's been, <laughs> no, there's been I was looking at your plate on Instagram that's, the other night and I was like, Oh my uh, God, that uh, looks, that looks so amazing. Uh, Filling and healthy, uh, guilt-free. Oh, I feel so, I feel so spoiled here in, you know, Austin, everything's safe and easy and every, you know, plentiful. Um, uh, so you're, it sounds like you have been put through the ringer and you're, you're being challenged mentally and physically kind of in a way thousand percent really. that, that you've probably never been, which is, is it fair to say this is like, um, the most you've probably ever been tested in life? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is about four. Right. Yeah. And then, and then tested is a much better word than feeling like, you know, I'm trying to like, like, I'm trying to be defeated for some kind of reason or something, you know, like, and, and it, it was terrible timing. It was a great article, but it was terrible timing with the Scott jerk article about sometimes you just get defeated. Like, in the, I don't know if you read that article. It's really good article. Oh, was this in the New York like, times? Yeah. And I was like, bad timing, Scott. That's not what I need to hear right now. Right now. Sometimes you just get defeated. Sometimes you can be defeated, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be defeated right now. Well, you know what? I think that um, you know. Here's the thing, and and Scott, you look at Scott. What I love about what Scott did, Scott. Yeah, he, he showed up. He showed up. And he went for it, right? So he basically decided, you know what, yeah. that that record, that mm-hmm. that AT record, is a little bit soft. I bet you I can break forty days, and uh, and he went for it, and he went for it, right? But he, you know, it he got a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't do it this time, but you know, I think he hit. There's some lessons learned, and he'll probably go back and mm-hmm. and try it again. But you know, being challenged in life is inevitable, but being defeated is optional. And so just, you know, don't, don't you, don't roll over. You just keep, keep fighting. It's going to, it doesn't mean, I mean, nobody said life, life's easy. And we, I mean, you of all people know that, but, um, you know, no, no, I want you to know this, that we, so you are due to some, you know, unforeseen natural disasters, you're in a position that, you know, not many of us have been in, I'll speak for myself. And so what I'd like to know is what can I, what can this wonderful, loving, nurturing plant, strong community do to help out a family member that is in, that is in need right now? Um, 
Do you have a Venmo fund set up? Is there some way we can contribute to help you kind of help rebuild this mm -hmm. trailer park community? Um, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, Howie helped me and set up and uh, and did a podcast on his podcast, the, the uh, Plant Yourself podcast. And I love uh, he's become one of that's been that's a whole nother side story. But he's like one of my best friends in the world now. But um, and for people he, for people that don't know, this is Howard Jacobson who uh, helped you. You guys both wrote Sick to Fit together, and he's right. Got, he's my co-author in Sick to Fit, but I know about him from his co-author in Hole with Dr. Campbell. That book was a huge game changer for me mentally. It let me release the grip on all of the science I was getting drowned by at the yeah, time. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and so he's and he's just been like a mentor and a big brother figure to me for for years now. And and but he convinced me like to just say, hey man, you know let me throw it out there on the podcast. Give me a Venmo and let's just, you know, and see. And, um, we'll just tell people if you trust Josh and it's not a 501 C three or nothing, yeah. but if you trust Josh and that he wants to do something good and you want to Avenue to get money to him, here's his Venmo. And so you can do that if you want to. Um, and I'll share the, the, my, the QR code or whatever with you. That would be great. Um, if people want to do that. Um, and if you, if you would rather, if you would rather find like an actual nonprofit that you can donate to that that you'd feel more comfortable with, if you want to do that in a different way, maybe you want to make a big sizable donation and you don't want to put that on me. Um, like I would recommend, you know, just look up the uh, Bayou Buff. That's uh, uh, Bayou Buff Volunteer Fire Department. That's yeah. that's very near to Chack Bay where I'm from. Um, and they're a very unique fire department who they're, they're community funded, they're self-funded and they're doing amazing things right now to feed their community and not only their community, but all of the little swamp communities around there that we're all part of. And, uh, and so I would also encourage you to do that and, and Google those towns that I talked about earlier, just figure cause I haven't been on the internet much, so I don't know where there's GoFundMe's or, or campaigns to raise funds. But just Google around on the internet and find out South Lafourche. You know, that's the parish I'm in. Look how things are, what's needed down there. Um, follow Lafourche Parish government on Facebook and see if you can catch a clue and a link on maybe how to donate to a family in La Rose or Lockport or, or a church or somebody helping down there. Um, I'm not saying, you know, just my Venmo is the only way to help down here. It, I'm, I'm just me. Um, yeah. I would encourage you to just familiarize yourself with by, with the Bayou parishes in South Louisiana, what we've been through, and maybe you want to adopt the town and, and send them something. I don't know. But just think about some things like that. That could that could go a long way. And uh, But we're all down here right now like Army Ants just fixing, fixing our home, you know, fixing it back up. Yeah. A bunch of blue tarps and generators. The generators are less so. As the days progress, yeah. um, but as long as we can have the rain hold off and we can get recovered, and we'll be back to normal soon enough. Well, Josh, you're a good man. You are a good man. You're a strong man, and uh, you're to me. You know, one of the things when I spent some time with you, I think it was 2017 or 18 when you hosted me. Uh, you're about as real as they come. 
and uh, what you see is what you get, and it is a beautiful sight. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, it means a lot to me, Rip. I, I really, you know, I really look up to you. I really look up to Rich. Um, your dad, obviously, all oh, your sister, Jane, is amazing. She And your mom has, was, has been awesome to me throughout these years. And, you know, we're all very different. We come from very, very different backgrounds, and we're not, we're not the same at all um, when it comes to certain things, you know, I mean, we just have different life experiences, but at the end of the day, I really, I really, you know, consider you a brother and I really look up to you and I thank you for all of the help that you've given me over years. And especially this phone call that we're having right now. Hey, one thing I know is you and me, we're not going to, we're not going to separate drawers. Is that what the saying is? What's the saying? Yes. Bro, that was so funny. <laughs> That's right. We ought to have a TikTok of just like Yankees trying to say uh, Cajun things, bro. Right. That'd That's, be hilarious. That's right. No, we just split draws, bro. We right. never That's go split, split. draws. That's right. Dude. That's right. Right. No, never split draws. Uh, all right. Hey, Josh, uh, Matt, this has been it's been a really important conversation. Thank you for for taking this because I know you got a jillion things going on right now. Um, but we're going to, we're going to do what we can to help out a, a plant strong brother in need. And, uh, I'll, I'll check in with you really soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. Rip. Hey, Appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Peace. Engine two. Peace. Keep it plant strong. Yes, sir. Man, you know, there's not too many people that are as real and raw as, as Josh. And I, Super, super appreciate him taking the time to talk to me on the phone in the middle of all the stress and the chaos that he's going through right now. And I also want to appreciate all of you for taking the time to listen and get the real story about life right now in the bayou. As we said in the interview, quitting is optional, and I'm pretty confident that Josh isn't going to quit. We're here to support him. And if you'd like to help or learn more, visit the links in the episode page at plantstrongpodcast.com. We give Venmo links as well as other information on the true devastating effects of Hurricane Ida. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true? I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn.
Thanks for listening.